Like I always say, like I, there's a lot of people who are closer friends with Ben. I think who would love to talk to him for two hours a week, and I, I get to. Um, and uh, no, I because I, I've co-hosted other podcasts and, and I've guests on other podcasts. I mean, like um, there there are, <laughs> there are many times where we sit down to start the before before the show starts to go like, you got anything? No, you got anything? No, we got nothing. We quickly kind of come up with like two or three kernels of something that we might bring up on air. And then the theme kicks in and then Penn launches into something that we did not discuss at all. We just thought of it during the theme and that'll take up a half hour, 45 minutes on the episode to just run with something. Um, he's just, he's, 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 he's got, he's got that Kearney talker vibe to him. And so he can just go. And so, yeah, I can say probably full throatedly that not only is it a fun gig, but I pro it's probably the easiest co-hosting job there is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, the podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We're kind of getting off the Bruce train, though I'm sure he'll come up. I'm having a um, one of my uh, social media you know, followers, people that I love following, Matt Donnelly, writer, performer, father, husband, podcaster, magician, all-around good guy. Welcome to the podcast. I also hand paint Civil War figurines. <laughs> Little bitty. <Yeah. laughs> um, when, uh, when the kids ask, what do you do for a living, Daddy? What do you tell them? Uh, my kids uh, think I'm a magician, and that's really weird for me. But, uh, you know, they asked me to come in for career day, and I thought, like, there's no way they want me to come in and talk about podcasting to first and second graders. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think because I, I have to leave sometimes for weeks at a time. And so that's a big impact on them. So yeah, I think they think I'm a magician. Which is not something if you had told even five years ago, Matt, that would right. have been. Yeah, right. just, just, yeah, just under five years into it. I have a very unusual story of magic for sure. Yeah, and, and we're going to get into that. Um, so, yeah, Matt has been on the show once before. Um, we were both, uh, both our podcasts were up for an award, which was very <laughs> weird that you ended up having to pay to be nominated and you had to pay to get the award. Um, yeah. And it kind of went away. But at the time, we were both, um, you know, we were talking about each other we were like hey go and vote for you know ice cream social and you guys will hey go you know report for set lusting bruce and so you're on a little bit and you talked about uh gave me some great bruce springsteen stories but just in case someone has not listened to that episode you want to give us your elevator pitch for ice cream social or just yourself <clears throat> oh okay yeah, yeah i mean uh i so you know i uh moved out to vegas uh in 2008 uh, following my wife, who got cast in Jersey Boys, moved out here from New York. Uh, I'm a Jersey. I am an actual Jersey boy. Um, I interned. Uh, I, I got an internship for Penn and Teller, um, 
And then uh, they let me try to start writing for them as an intern. And they liked my writing and they hired me as a writer. And so I worked with Penn and Teller on every season of American season of Fool Us and also on um, a show called Penn and Teller Tell a Lie that was on Discovery Channel and a couple of other projects as well. How did you get the internship? Just Um, so funny enough. So my wife, uh, when we moved out to Vegas, this is her second time in Vegas. Uh, her first time in Vegas, she was out here to be in a show called Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. And in it, she was in it with a woman named uh, Teresa Goudeau, who was the wife of Michael Goudeau, who was Penn's um, radio co-host. Yeah. And so I knew Michael um, from a couple of trips out here before we moved out here. And Michael Goudeau is the nicest guy, very talented uh, juggler entertainer himself. And uh, he was the other go-to writer for Penn & Teller. And so when I heard they're doing Discovery Channel show, I just wrote Penn an email begging him to let me intern. He said, I'll okay. just pick up coffee, I'll do anything. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> I'd only known Penn from hanging out with him uh, at his movie nights gatherings, you know? Um, his how, did wife you had, get, how did you get that connection? Um, his wife uh, briefly <laughs> was really into improv Right at the time I moved out there, which um, that's very lucky because she's not into improv like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but everywhere she went to see an improv show, uh, I was in because I was a big, I was, I was really involved, heavily involved in improv and the New York scene. I taught at the Pitt uh, People's Improv Theater. I taught in the acting program at the New York Film Academy. Um, I was a performer, you know, performing three or four shows a week um, at various different theaters. And... Um, so when I got out here, I was very lucky. I got cast in um, Wayne Brady's show. So Wayne Brady had an improv show at the Venetian. Um, again, that was also brief, so the timing on that was perfect. Um, and uh, she she came and saw me in that, and then she started. Uh, she had me um, host a uh, charity poker tournament for her uh, for Opportunity Village, and then I just kind of stayed friends with her. And so she she started inviting me to movie night. That's kind of cool um, because it, I, I love just the randomness of this. I, you know, it's random, man. It's real. Random. It, right. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, I, I love the idea. You know, I am someone who I, I, I had a boss four or five years ago that says, Hey, if you're not managing your career, you know, you, you, you aren't going to have a very good one. I was like, well, that's the story of my life. I just was, I got hired by a company that did call center work. I liked it. They paid me. They didn't go out of business. I'm going to work till they lay me off. And, oh, I guess now, you know, and I think, right. If you had said 10 years ago, well, let me put down where I think my life will be (laughs) career wise. Right. You're going, what the hell? Same with my wife, you know, like she went over yeah. Jersey Boys and Jersey Boys closed. And then we kind of like liked living in Vegas. But, um, um, you know, for for, for uh, a few key reasons, musicals aren't ever going to be the thing here that right. they once were. And uh, uh, and so she also is now a uh, comedic clown and host uh, for Spiegel World in Absinthe, you know. And it's yeah. like, and she's laughing because she said, we moved out here like a, a comedy writer and a... Uh, uh, a musical theater actor and now we're a clown and a magician <laughs> so. uh yeah and you've shared a little bit on pen but you're 
you married into a show business family, right? Like your wife has decent, you know, fairly impressive roots from her family. Yeah, yeah. Her her, her, grand, her grandmother on one side was a, a vaudeville act called the Clark Sisters. Her grandmother on the other side was uh, uh, Ruby Keeler, who was in 42nd Street for the parade, all the Busby Berkeley movies. She's a star yeah. on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, you know, her father was an equity stage manager and at one point was uh, helped running Radio City Music Hall. Her mother was a dance captain, Bob Fosse, um, you know, Broadway, you know, and tours and all that stuff. And um, yeah, I, I was the first person in my in my family to try to be in show business. And so we started dating uh, and I thought I was trying to be an actor from the time I was like, you know, 15. I was, you know, trying to get involved with stuff and I was doing improv everywhere and I thought that was going to somehow get me places and you know it did it gave me auditions here and there and it got me in a couple yeah. of a couple of um in you know small movies and things like that and you were in a Vegas commercial <laughs> if I remember seeing you oh, right yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. a group of the guys right <laughs> one of those what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas yes exactly yeah, yeah. yeah yeah I think the most it was funny the the coolest time I had with commercials was um I was in a uh Marie uh, I was in a fantasy football commercial with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Maurice mm -hmm. Jones drew. And that one was cool because I was a bartender at the time and that commercial would always come on while I was working, you know? So that was always like a fun bit where like everyone at the bar got to look and see me up on, on, on the screen. So I, I never felt more famous than that fantasy football commercial. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. I can't imagine. <laughs> um, so as you started being friends, how did you end up getting uh, to be one of the co-hosts on Penn Sunday School? Oh, yeah, that's that's really where. So so we did. I interned on um, Tell a Lie for Discovery Channel, and then they hired me for that. And that was a funny thing because I, I basically was just running around. I would advance scout restaurants that had Wi-Fi so they could like run and that kind of stuff. And I would just go pick up things and I was really just a little errant guy. And all of a sudden I was making Penn laugh at movie nights. So it's like, 
he just got an email saying, like, why don't we let Matt take a pass on these scripts? And I was so nervous uh, that I, I actually got up from my computer immediately and I just went to, to the gym. I went to the gym and I sweat and I worked out. And I was like, I need to get all of this nervousness and anxiety and fear out of me. <laughs> I wouldn't write a thing. And so I came back and I wrote like 12 jokes in their hour long scripts and I kept four of them. And that was considered good. Yeah, so, that is right. Yeah. And then um, I wrote, uh, you know, 12 for the next one and got kept three and all of a sudden they hired me. And but then that show only ran for one season. Right. Um, and it was because <laughs> because Penn and Teller had higher standards for science than Discovery Channel. Yeah. Um, because uh, they thought they had this Bible of all these fa- cool things and Penn and Teller were striking them down left and right. Like, that's not true. That's not good science. That's not, <laughs> we can't mm-hmm. say that's true. Um, yes. And so that's the one season happened. So I was already, I was in the orbit at that point, And then they started his podcast and he started with Michael because that's the, they were a radio team. And so they kind of got the band back together, so to speak. Um, and then Michael got a gig. And so he was going to be out, but Penn wanted to still record. And so um, they both thought of me. I went in as a substitute host um, and it went very well. It went very well. Um, All of his uh, management and stuff said, one, that I should be definitely the first call if Godot is out. Uh, And then um, then I substitute hosts a few more times and there's a big push to get me on there permanently. And and that's what happened. I didn't didn't ask for it or push for it at all. They just... um, they just said, you, if you want it, it's yours. You can come, keep coming in and, and doing it. And I said, yes, please. Well, I, I would imagine, and, you know, we don't have to get into the, the business part of it, but it, it's, it's nice that it's a gig, but it seems like it's just a fun couple of hours every week, right? If you just, yeah, I mean, least, you know, yeah, yeah. Like I, I got paid at one point. It was like my the highest paying thing, you know, yeah. um, uh, uh, it was a big help to me, uh, sure. to, get, to get that footing because, um, all of the, you know, with discovery channel, I'm not getting renewed and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And remember at this point in the story, I've still never tried a magic trick. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was really just, uh, so grateful that it was happening, but, but as the years go on, you know, Look, Penn's friends with a lot of people, and Penn Gillette is a fascinating guy. He's a fascinating guy whether you whether you're into magic or not. Um, he's a really good thinker. He's a really great storyteller. Um, I want to interrupt you. I was just going to say that he is an amazing storyteller, yeah. and he is proof. Uh, I had um, my friend Sarah Hickman, who is a musician. You know, she would joke, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Like when she's doing, (laughs) you know, like when she's doing an introduction on a song, she'll embellish what drove the song. And I love that Pence is like, oh, and we're probably doing this wrong. Right. But here's the story I'm going to (laughs) tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And and so, like, I I always say, like, there's a lot of people who are closer friends with Ben, I think, who would love to talk to him for two hours a week, yeah. you know, and I, I get to, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, no, I, I, cause I've co-hosted other podcasts and, and I've got yeah. guests on other podcasts. I mean, like um, there, there, <laughs> there are many times where we sit down to start the, before, before the show starts to go like, you got anything? No, you got anything? No, we got nothing. 
And then we quickly kind of come up with like three or two or three kernels of something that we might bring up on air. And then the theme kicks in and then Penn launches into something that we did not discuss at all. We just thought of it during the theme and that'll take up a half hour, 45 minutes on the episode to just run with something, you know? Um, He's just, he's, 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 he's got, he's got that Carney talker vibe to him. And so he can just go. And so, yeah, I can say probably full throatedly that not only, is it a fun gig? But I pro- it's probably the easiest co-hosting job there is. <laughs> well, what I love is like he, you do an episode that recently, basically, pins buying a new base, and yeah. you know, and it ends up being <laughs> this amazing story mm-hmm. uh, that you like if you had said yeah well okay that'll be five minutes and then instead it's just no i know it it just it's hilarious yeah i, I think one of the things i learned from him the the most the podcast skill wise is that he he's always got some audience perception in his head you know mm-hmm. and so like he'll, he'll one of the things he'll get out of that is you know he'll be like well you may think that this you know is only worth this much or you may think that I have already gotten, you know, blah, blah. And he starts answering assumption questions to people. And, and then, but then he'll turn that person into a character and like yeah. pit, pit, pit the whole story against this imaginary listener and that kind of stuff. He's, he's really, uh, he's really skilled that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just is, it's just, and I, you know, any, my boss owns a Tesla and I'm like, okay, you've got to listen to the story about him. <laughs> One, because it's a funny story. And two, as a warning to you. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, ben got stranded for those, these listeners. Yes. Ben got stranded. Yeah, yes. Uh, and, driving uh, to Utah. And it, even though the Tesla kept telling him, you're, you know, like, Hey idiot, you're going to do it. Nah, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> So by, by being skeptical of Tesla's instruments, he got himself yeah. stranded. And that yeah. was, a, that, and then that was educational, right? Like I didn't know that like once yeah. the Tesla shuts off, it's a brick. It's just a joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, Oh, we, you know, we have a, you know, you know how you talk about a dead phone is a paperweight. Well, this is yeah. just a huge paperweight. You yeah. Can't, can't tell it. So I, I want to get into your magical journey but before we do that i want to talk about um i remember watching clips of fool us on youtube with the british show and i went wow this is really interesting and then when they brought it to the u.s and then we got you know the they did a the second season with jonathan again and then they brought in allison but I remembered one being impressed that how positive of a show it is. And I know I'm not saying anything new or unique, but there is truly um, a, a sense of we're trying to show off people being entertaining and doing magic. And yeah, we just kind of throw in a contest in the middle. So when did you start getting involved with the show? And I I started out being a patron member of your Abracadabra because of the behind the scenes story. And since then, I've learned to love y'all's podcast and, and embrace, you know, the three of you talking. So but we got you, Jesse. Yes, we got you good. Yes, we, we did. We yes. hooked you. We reeled yes. you in. 
um yeah so um i uh so when Fulas first came to the united states there's a couple of years gap there in between well for, first i say is that uh penn and teller are brilliant uh, and they because they were they were asked to be judges on other talent shows and other talent competitions before especially when back in the day like that that was you know in the in, yeah. the, in the birth of america's got talent and american idol there are a lot of other shows like those um and Penn and Teller never want to do it because they didn't want to judge uh, stuff they didn't know, right? Like how am I supposed to tell dancers what to do, that kind of thing, when we can't dance. And they can't. Um, the, uh, so, so when they came up with the show, like, Fool Us, it was like, I can tell if magicians fool us. That was the whole kind of premise. And the impact on it has been significant. Uh, so, you know, you see more people, you know, that show showcases a lot of women doing magic, a lot of people of color doing magic. And then the show has been on long enough that we've gotten to see it take hold, you know, so you see a lot more representation of magic around the world. Also magic's more popular than ever right now. Um, you know, there's so many magic venues as I'm, I'm, I'm touring them. I'm performing at them. You know, there's so many magic venues opening up left and right, uh, for people, uh, more people have a mainstream understanding of magic, uh, as a concept where they want to see some or see good versus bad, that kind of stuff. Versus just like people used to just think magician meant birthday party, you know? Yeah. And so um, it's really had a huge impact on magic's popularity uh, and, and, and also helped the, the amount of people that can do it and have access to it. Um, that combined with the internet, I should say, you know, but Penn leaves sure. clues in his busts and people can go on the internet and find those things and learn magic and that kind of stuff. And I always joke about magic being great right now because like you know if you go to a vegas casino they sell books on counting cards for blackjack in the gift shops of casinos right so if card counting were that easy to do and that dangerous they wouldn't you right. know yes <laughs> but everybody having a little bit of knowledge helps tremendously and i think that's what the show does is the show gives a large audience a little bit of understanding of what it means to perform magic and, th and things to consider for magic and that's a great audience to have as a magician. People come in knowing a little bit, and it, it leads to a certain curiosity that's different than, you know, I, you know, if I perform, I don't stand up and pretend to have magical powers, right? So right. that's not the kind of thing I'm going for. So, so having an audience be slightly educated on magic is great for me, ideal for yeah. me. Well, and one of the things that, and I promise I won't, do too much ass kissing, but one of the things no, no. that maybe it's you okay. You do all you want. You do okay. all you want. Uh, so, in one of the early behind the scenes, you talked about very quickly. We decided that anytime there was a volunteer, if we could use Allison, we should. Yeah. And when I heard that and I started watching it, she is just perfect. And I don't know if this is acting or just honestly herself, but she she genuinely is disgusted when it's something disgusting. She is, you know, skeptical when it looks to be dangerous. And she is really like amazed at the end. Like, oh, I can't believe you did that. She's a brilliant comedic actor, you know, yes. and, and, and that was and that was uh, borne out uh, at, at many, many a large scale testing via movies and television for a very mm -hmm. long time. Yeah. She's also a very well-known face, and 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 you know, it's 
it's a unique, beautiful face. And so yeah. if you can get that face to react to your magic, it's going to help your career. And yeah. uh, a lot of magicians have definitely taken advantage of that. She's gotten yeah. savvier as the years have gone on. Though. Oh, I she's bet. This stuff. Uh, uh, she, she, she's gotten quite an education in magic because of it. Um, yeah. And so she's not as easy to uh, to, to bowl over as, as she was in yeah. her early seasons. But yeah, so I was involved as soon as I came over to season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first season was shot in England and aired over there and then finally got recut and aired over here. And that's the whole thing about Foolish in general. It was almost like a happy accident. Yeah. CW picked it up and they um, recut the episodes to fit the American standards for commercial breaks and all that stuff. Um, and it became their highest rated show. And they just aired it in the summer. It was supposed to be a, just a, a little, almost like a little airing. Like they thought, Penn and Teller's management thought, it would air that season and they could do a, a different, bigger version of the show for another network or something one, once people saw how the show worked for American audiences. And it worked too well that CW said, I don't go anywhere. You're staying right here. Uh, and so here we are nine seasons later. Uh, and then I heard it was coming over. Uh, I had worked with those, the producers on tell a lie, but I was still just, you know, the intern who got hired as a comedy guy, they weren't necessarily looking to keep me, you know, around mm-hmm. or whatever. And I was actually, um, at Penn's, uh, 60th birthday party in LA. It was a big thing and they were there and I had just, um, been hired by Lisa Lampanelli to, to do some punch up work for her. Uh, and then, uh, I also wrote a show um, that was going on downtown here in Vegas. And so when I saw them, I got to drop those two nuggets on them to be like, hey, I'm not just a Penn and Teller lackey, even though secretly I was definitely still just a Penn and Teller lackey. <laughs> um, and, and it was all just permission to write a, a submission. So I wrote a submission. And I wrote it based on watching all the illegal YouTube clips of the British show. Right. You know. And uh, I called them up. They hadn't heard anything. I called them up to check in because the season was approaching, taping was approaching. And I said, hey, you know, uh, what's going on? Can I, what's, can, mm-hmm. I, can I come to work kind of thing? And they said, well, you know, I, I liked some of your stuff. It was pretty good. Um, you know, uh, maybe, try to, maybe try to write some more stuff for me. And we'll, we'll take a look at it. Um, you know, like, like here's a joke that someone gave to us. It was like uh, for Jonathan Ross, the British host, it was like, you know, I love now that I'm hosting a show over here in America. I, you know, I got to adjust certain words. Like we use uh, bin instead of garbage can, uh, lift uh, instead of whatever. It's like, and you guys say the word dentist, and we don't have a word for that. And that was the joke or whatever. And uh, I said, okay, you want me to write more like that? He said, yeah. I said, okay. And then we hung up the phone. And five minutes later, my phone rang, uh, and it was the executive producer. Andrew and he said, Matt, uh, that that the dentist joke for Jonathan. I go, I go, yeah. He goes, you wrote that joke. I said, I did. He said, so I just told you to write more jokes like you. And I said, you did. He said, I'll see you on Monday. <laughs> That's when I was hired for us. <laughs> did you just not want to tell him? Did you not Correct. want to embarrass yeah. him? Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. that's greatness. That is a story. <laughs> I literally that like is... I don't know what to do, but I'm shutting up. Like, yeah. I, like this is so weird. I'm gonna mm-hmm. shut up, and then yeah. uh, you know, but the phone rang right away, so it was I didn't have to worry about it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's how I got hired. It, you know, it, it, I, strangely enough, it wasn't just a Penn and Teller favor. I had to really try to work to get that to happen. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, yeah. So then I'm working on every season. I worked with the Jonathan Ross was the first year, and that was great. Jonathan Ross uh, is the David Letterman of England, and he's hosted yeah. a billion shows out there. And uh, he knows television. And so he was so comfortable walking around this giant production. And I was just, I was basically walking around with him. And I, I basically took a television education class from Jonathan Ross. Like he just yeah. knew how to talk to everybody. I watched it. And so um, I was always co-writing with Jonathan. He'd always tr- turn jokes inside out or, or ask for three different punchlines or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I never just gave him stuff and then, but it was uh in the meantime i was uh, helping him with i saw how he prepped for interviewing audience members the magicians and all this other stuff and so uh yeah and then john the ross while he's the david letterman of um england he was not the david letterman of here and so um he he does he has a lot of projects his wife is the one behind the kingsman uh you know it basically became too uh too crazy to schedule and too expensive to make sure he was staying the host. And mm-hmm. so CW wanted a, a familiar face. Um, everybody wanted the, uh, a woman to host um, when Jonathan bowed out. And then uh, um, Allison Hannigan landed on our doorstep. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously, you know, um, How I Met Your Mother, Buffy, you know, American Pie movies. Um, and, and I, I say this with all love to Jonathan, right? It, I hate to say better, but she is different and she has really grown into it. And uh, I think the three of them have a lot of fun on camera. They, they make this a very relaxing, you know, 10 to 12 weeks. And of course, not including repeats. You get to go hang out with your friends and get to watch some amazing story, you know, yeah, like this is this is a moment coming up in this upcoming season where, um, you know, was like they, you know, Penn and Teller doing a bunch of different bits, and so it's a Penn yeah. and Teller bit, and and so they 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 quickly throw Allison into it, and the first rehearsal was a little all over the place because they just had the magic effect down, but not they didn't they didn't do it in their show, so they had no script for it, mm-hmm. and it was really really uh, awesome. I got to put on my improv helmet. You know, and so like the first take went through and, and I just ran on stage and I just like sharpened pens to do's, you know, yeah. and then I sharpened Allison's to do's. <laughs> and then I was like, and this should have an impact on you and this should have an impact on you. And I made like quick tweaks, you know, like literally like 30 seconds. And all of a sudden they both just exploded, it crushed this bit. And, and <laughs> the director turned to me and was like, what the hell did you say to him? <laughs> you know? And I was like, I, I, I was like, well, I, you have two very gifted entertainers up on stage. You really know what to do. I just literally just gave yeah. a quick little outside observation. And I got to look really, really good because Allison Hannigan is fantastic uh, with yeah. comedic direction. And Ben Gillette is fantastic with direction. So it was, like, it was awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, I I love the show, and I do think you know. I I wonder. It it appears they enjoy the two show. It must be, you know, listening to him talk about it. Part of what would I think other people would be beaten down by is, oh crap! Now we got to come up with thirteen new tricks. 
you know, you hear Penn talk about it. That was what we love. We love coming up with new bits. And so I'm sure there's pressure on it, but they also, it gives them excuse to let's find new things to do. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, uh, they're creating a ton of tricks right now. Like we haven't even gotten news that were renewed for season 10. We never do uh, until the show, uh, usually about four episodes into the season, we'll find out whether or not we're going to do yeah. more. Um, but Penn and Teller j- just put in two new tricks into their show mm-hmm. this weekend. I, and, I would hope you get 10. It seems to be, that would be kind of cool. I mean, not that nine isn't anything to be sneezing at, but it would be kind of a decade. Well, it's a very strange time for television, you know. Uh, Penn and Teller's Fullest is over 100 episodes. So we're past yeah. that point where you typically usually would pump the brake in old television, yeah. older television, right. you'd be like, great. Now we have enough to syndicate and go around and it's... you can resell it all the time and re-air it on different television networks. But now, you know, like American Idol, AGT, all those shows, The Voice, the shows that have made it are still on the air, even though they're getting a fraction of their viewership because the answer is like, what else do you stick in there Yeah, that gets eyeballs? Because it's so hard to get new eyeballs on uh, shows now the way people watch television is so strange right now it's actually if anything in in flux we're, we're not fully transitioned to timeless television well so it's, yeah i mean piff ended up putting his special on youtube yeah which yeah. is crazy uh you know and i appreciated it i enjoyed it i thought it was wonderful but it was kind of it's just on youtube but you know because yeah, there's still there's there are very few where do you go with a magic special you yeah. know, it's it's very hard to figure that out, and then a comedy one at that. Yeah, um, it's it's very difficult to figure these things out, mm-hmm. and even now, right? Like, so, like, if you have a uh, a Comedy Central special, like, say, Piff got to go there. Yeah. Well, it it airs once or twice, and yeah. then it's in their library, and then they may or may not put it up on their app, and then how do you get people to eyeballs on it? You know, and so Piff really wanted. Um, uh, as much freedom to have eyeballs on it as possible so they could always go back to it and watch it. And so, and you yeah. can see it. I mean, the, the it's, first day was like 70,000 and now it's already up to crazy amount of views. It yeah, just, it's just crazy. It immediately rolled on it, so. All right, all right. So uh, I won't keep you too much longer, uh, but I did want to know, one of the things that I find fascinating is um your journey on how you went from being a writer, stand-up, improv, and all of a sudden, as your kids call you, oh, dad's a magician. Yeah. So, well, you know, as you heard my story earlier, like, yeah, there was no uh, master plan, and there certainly was no room for error. Like, if I if I swing through the air and if I reach for that next vine, it wasn't there. I was just gonna fall. Right. And, you know, and that you know, in in New York. I was always trying to like write and act and kind of maneuver and I'd book this, book that, little things. It was like, you're always trying to slowly build in some kind of career. And in Vegas, I just was not, that was not an option. And so I, I really couldn't figure out much to do. So because uh, for uh, one point you were a manager for the 50 shades of grade, right? Like, so yeah. that was a gig. So yeah. 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 And I wrote for, you know, um, speak a world that people are familiar with absinthe, the gazillionaire, um, yeah. And then uh, there's a show, Opium, and I was part of that creation team. And so I was going to get in gigs for sure, but there was nothing that was geared towards career. Um, it just was, you know, so there's, you know, uh, 
And so um, it was, I was interviewing magicians. I, I, I had to interview every magician before they talked to the host. And I was just interviewing professional magician after professional magician after professional magician, you know? And it was out of that frustration, like knowing that I had really struggled with comedy, comedy writing to, you know, I've, I've, I was always working enough to stay with it, but I'd never got a break that I felt like I was working on the thing. Um, mm -hmm. And that's even, you know, fool us aside because fool us is, was, is, is still my biggest writing credit. And uh, it's just that we shoot that whole season in two and a half weeks. So that's what I mean by like, I, I wanted to work. What was I doing the other 49 weeks, you know? Right. So, um, it was just mouthing off the pen. I just said, God, you know, I should just learn four magic tricks and do corporate improv or, you know, do corporate uh, magic, you know? And Penn kind of looked at me like, you entitled bastard, you know, and said, uh, you know, it's harder than you think, but you might be better than you think. Why don't you try learning one goddamn trick? But he meant it. It was, it was meant, I think, I think even coming out of his mouth, I think it was meant to be ball busting. And at the end of the sentence, it was like, actually, I mean it, you know? I think I think it started with like, why don't you? If he wanted to shut me down, right? And and, and then mid sentence was like, I'm actually curious if Matt could do it. You know, I think it really was all that in one sentence, and I felt it. You know, I, I like I started sweating. I was like, I'm being. I can't say no to this. I can't say no. I keep like, nah. I mean, he's he's <laughs> double dog dared me, right? Like he's yeah. you know like he's thrown it out there. Okay, let's see you, big boy. Let's do like, it. No, I'm good. I'm good, Penn. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, uh, he spent the rest of that season kind of trying to like come up with different ways for me to try different tricks or try to perform something, you know? And um, I was like, he's really got this in his head, you know? And that season went over. And then I actually did end up working on, um, on uh, other shows and kind of put that aside. Uh, and then my dad came out to visit and sat in a Penn Sunday school and Penn brought us to his, his house for lunch. And then Penn went back to talk about me doing magic in, at lunch. And the time had passed. So I was like, oh, my gosh, it's still in his brain. I really can't procrastinate this much more. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, uh, you want to stay away from cards because you're starting so late and kids are so good at cards. And, and you can get lost trying to come up with the perfect blank trick, this trick. You can't you won't be able to keep up. Don't don't get lost in cards. OK, he said, and everything from the waist up, do all your magic from the waist up. Because that way, if you're playing a parlor, you're doing close-up, you're doing a stage, all your material can just translate to wherever you're playing. And that was unbelievably sage. Because that's so, I play a lot of different kinds of venues. And, uh, and, my, and, I'm, and I don't have to make that many adjustments. And I'm very lucky uh, he gave me that advice. And then I, after lunch, went out to the car and my dad just goes, you just got basketball advice from Michael Jordan. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> Bam! I mean, that's that's spot on. Yeah. So then I was I started going to. Uh, oh, I started secretly. I went behind. I was I was gonna thought it'd be funny just to surprise Penn, but they were working with Johnny Thompson, was their magic director, and Johnny was one of the most nicest and welcoming people on the planet. Loved magic uh, and loved teaching it, and so I started going to Johnny's house. Uh, you know, an afternoon here, an afternoon there, and he was teaching me magic. So the first person to teach me magic was Penn and Teller's guy. And so I thought that yeah. would be a nice surprise for them. Um, and then all of a sudden, once again, I was jobless. Uh, and I was like, I know all these magicians from Fool Us. 
and around town. And I have this kind of street cred of being a, a lackey to Penn and Teller. And, and so I thought, what if, what if, what if, what if every magician that I'm close with teaches me one trick and then I'll do a show where of, of those tricks. And that's when I did a crowdfunder and, uh, and I went to seven magicians. They tell me seven tricks. Now, Johnny said yes first. So Penn said yes second because Johnny was on board. And then Teller said yes because Penn and Johnny said yes. And so then every magician said yes. Right. That helps. <laughs> I could have done, done 20 tricks taught by 20 magicians if I wanted right. to at that point. Because <laughs> now I, I, it was a, it was a care, careful, careful dominoes place to push, push them in the right order. And so, uh, uh, yeah. And then Piff the Magic Dragon saw that show. And he, he helped me on one of the tricks. So he, he, he was the other magicians who said yes. And said, well, why don't you come open for me on tour? And I did, as a, as a magician, my first year of magic, I did 60 shows on the road opening for Piff. I mean, that's stupid. That's just dumb. It's dumb. Uh, I saw you in Dallas, uh, you know, at the improv. Uh, we got to talk a little bit. Those are great uh, shows, by the way. They were, yeah, they were. And, and you know, um, I got my little ice cream social poker chip and we got to visit and take a picture. But um, it was a nice duo. You, 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 you fit the tone of the show well. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it, it was, and what I thought, what I thought was really funny is because I had not seen you, but I had been the con, you know, the, the fundraiser, I'd gotten my little mind noodler sticker and all this, you know, um, and you're in overalls, but you don't do an accent. You just, you know, and it just, it's worked perfect. Like, oh yeah, I happen to be in overalls, but let's talk about this with your big old knife. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the, so, 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 yeah, for your audiences, I started off yeah. in, in order to like to learn all that magic and I was a comedy writer. So yeah. I was like, oh, I'll write for my character nice and big. I'm going to write for a big, big character. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a bigger guy. People like when I play big uh, and then it'll help me instantly write. Right. If I'm if I'm taking a playing a big character, I mean, so I played Hillbill the Psychic Hillbilly. Yeah. And that was my original show. Uh, and the only problem with that is that when I went on the tour, when I went touring, is that people wanted to know where at Appalachia I was really from. And when I found out I was a character off stage at a comedy club, they hated my guts. They mm. were really mad at me for not being that person. Right. And then I basically was like, I don't want to become the Larry K- Larry the Cable Guy of Magic. Um, so I'll just start just being me, mm-hmm. but I learned every trick, you know, I'm new to magic. So every trick is learned to overalls, right. you know, po- pockets and, and ditching and hiding and grabbing very yeah. important things for a magician. And so <laughs> I only knew it in overalls. <laughs> I know that RJ gives you a hard time about that on your, your, uh, one of your <laughs> other podcasts about it, but it's good. Yeah. yeah I, I want to urge, uh, you know, Matt's very funny. He's, he, you know, I, I'm one of these people. I don't want to be a magician, though I do every once in a while I'll try to. When I'm when I'm on a con call, I'll try to do a you know a, a, a you know a French job. job. I already yeah. you're already doing it wrong, so I'll let you know see, off air. See, I'll exactly fix it. right. Yeah, I know. And so, but you know, I, I, you know, but um, but I love watching. It's kind of like um, Mark Evanier, the blogger who's written for a lot of comics, talked about. He never was a baseball fan, but he loved 
hearing Dodger games with Vin Scully because there's something beautiful about watching something someone is so good at something and watching them do it. Yeah, and yeah. so that's why I like watching a lot of magic is I love this. And the other thought that I, Penn has said, and I'd love for you to hear your thoughts on this. You have to have the magic and you have to have the ease on stage and you did it backwards because of your background, right? You're like, you, you know, if 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 I pulled you in and I said, "Oh, hey, Matt, um, I need you to do ten minutes in front of you know motivational speech. Let's do a talk on my team." You could just sit there and roll off anything very quickly because you're comfortable on stage. Yeah, uh, and so that was kind of different for you, right? For sure, you know, and that's not you know there are plenty of great performing magicians you know yeah. but but it was it was certainly a superpower and i'd say like the the thing about uh i'd say like a lot of magicians work towards their stuff becoming like perfect within yeah. within, within an inch of its life um and and i owe a lot of this to piff because piff is not like that i mean piff is a very very passionate magician and surprisingly passionate i think people think because he's a giant dragon People don't know that he had a career before being a dragon where he was absolutely a huge magic nerd, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah. big, big magician guy. Um, and then, uh, but, but we both like things to go a little off the rails, you know? And so I got to see him do that all the time, still accomplish his show while letting some things get really off the rails. And I love that because as, as an improviser, you know, doing improv, especially if you're doing shows like Who's Arms It Anyway style shows. Yeah. On the one hand, like, yes, it's all improvised, but also it's all in this container of games that you're used to seeing and playing. And so there's not as much of a craziness to it. And I always wanted, when I would do improv shows, to make sure that the audience knew that something was definitely only happening in the room for them tonight. Right. Like, even with all the things, whatever, like this was definitely just for you you know yeah. and i think it makes performance so special and so as a magician i do the same thing i want something so i want something a little off the rails i want something so dependent on this one unique audience member that like it has they have to know that it's just for them in the room tonight you know yeah i think that makes people give people more of their money's worth than the perfect magic trick sometimes and so um yeah, I, 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 you know, I can't, I, I don't have a time machine. I can't go back and start magic at, at, at nine, like so many of them do, you know. Uh, I, I can't make references to the amount of, you know, variations of this trick that I'm doing, that, right. and who started and when, you know. I can't do it. Uh, and so I, I, I can't feel guilt for that either. That's the hard part. That's the only thing I struggle with, is I can't feel guilt for being so ignorant still to so much of the magic, you know. Um, but I, I have to lean into my strengths, uh, and I, I want, I have two boys. So I want to make a living. So I yeah. can, I can try to be very funny and make the room very present in my shows. Well, and I think one of the things that I doing this podcast is, you know, you, you want, you want your listeners to enjoy spending time with you and your guest. And if you do that, you feel like you're doing a good job. And I, I thought of this the other day that um, um, I had a guy on that was talking about that he saw Bruce in 19, like 1970, 
74, 75, right during the college, right around that, I seen the future of rock and roll that time period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was saying, gosh, just think of all the shows I missed when he was just, he was just starting out and before that happened. And I said, boy, it doesn't matter how early, how soon you find Bruce, you <laughs> always feel like you're chasing that extra like, point, right? I really like, wish, oh, I, I really wish I was out in California watching him lose Battle of the Bands. When he yeah, was exactly, with. right? Like, <laughs> instead of just like, you know, and so, uh, and I think you could do the same thing if you want to, you could always say, well, and, I'm going to use, right. I wish I had been in prison or had been sickly as a child stuck in the bed with a, you know, with a <laughs> deck of cards. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, for, again, for your listeners is that whenever yeah. I go over by, like we, we only have the most badass card tricks yeah. on the show and full lesson. So when I see someone's going to do a card trick, I look immediately in the bio for time in the hospital as a child. Yes. prison or time in madrid spain those are the yes, three things exactly. i look for yeah a good chance it's going to be one of those things yeah that's great all right so um matt uh i'm gonna let you go i i, I want to ask you the mary question before we go but uh tell us what do you got coming up uh are I, you're back on the road now and also where to find you on your other podcasts yeah, so I'm on tour starting in the fall. I'm, 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 I'm working on my show the rest of the summer, okay. uh, but I start touring tour in the fall. You can go to mynoodler.com to look for that or follow mynoodler on Instagram. Um, you know, I, I document my magic journey. I, I've roped in Jesse to it. That's abracababble.com. Go over to abracababble.com and figure out uh, how to get uh, access to my secret podcast uh, to document my journey. Uh, I'll just tell you that now's a good time to get in. I'm about to make two big announcements uh, uh, for, for things that are coming up uh, for me uh, uh, come the new year. Uh, and so uh, it'd be a really good time to head over there. Uh, if you need just more ch chuckling, love and life, uh, uh, preaching fun, just uh, if you want to be a fly on the wall for, for ridiculous dudes hanging out, I do a podcast with man child Paul Mattingly, uh, Star Trek. Uh, the experience, former, former, uh, uh, what's it called? Klingon, former Klingon, Paul yes. Mattingly. Uh, and that's Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social. We've got over 900 episodes waiting for you uh, if you want to hang out with some ridiculous things. Uh, and then, of course, I co-host Penn Sunday School, uh, Penn's podcast. And that's also twice weekly on everywhere you get podcasts. Yeah, and there really is a sense of community both on Pin Sunday School and Ice Cream Social and Abracadabra. And so I actually do that. And I look forward to seeing, hear what the new announcements are. And hopefully, um, you know, you're going to be somewhere in Texas when you tour. So, so uh yeah you uh, that way that way I, you know you're you're getting yours in the fall so you don't want to compete against bruce right like you, you there's it. enough ticket controversy you don't need <laughs> are you going to have dynamic pricing if <laughs> i did i would i would i would be paying everyone to come see my show <laughs> like, yes that's crazy i just right. made i just made four dollars to go see the mind noodler yay wow <laughs> all right um <laughs> When I had you on before, I I was not asking this question, so um, we'll get you to that. I end every podcast with the Mary question. What that is is my sways. Um, it sways. That's that's my answer. Wrong question. Uh, so <laughs> Jay Armstrong was an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area, and he would on his honors English class they would break apart Thunder Road, look at all the lyrics, look at all the themes, and at the end of the day. 
he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? So Matt, that is your question. Does Mary yeah. get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? You know, what's funny is I sing this song to my children to go to sleep. And so I think about this all the time. And the truth is that just, I can only answer with my heart. I don't, I can't break down the lyrics like, uh, mm-hmm. like those other nerds you were just talking about. Um, I mean, people spend money at college to do that. That seems like a weird, I mean, if I was that kid's parents, I would be questioning. No, it was high school. He was high school. Okay. It was high right. school. Okay. High school so, honors English. That's even worse. But uh, um, mm-hmm. I would say, <laughs> my heart says she doesn't. It feels like a sad song. It feels like a sad note at the end. It seems like uh, he, he mispitched his, uh, I th- and I think also if you, if you say you ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right, I wouldn't get in the car either. You know what I mean? So if we're going to analyze lyrics, you just told me I'm not that good looking, but I can leave town with you. Yeah. That's not really, not Bruce's best, you know, Casanova move, you know. Very uh, nice. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say Mary does not get in the car and go. Great answer. I appreciate it. Um, 60 40. 60% say yes, about 40% yeah. say no. So you're not Those necessarily wrong. There we go. All right. <laughs> Uh, you've, you've given us your pitches on podcast, uh, yeah. on social media. Where can we find you? Uh, I'm at sweet Maddie D on Twitter and I'm at my noodler on Instagram. All right, Matt, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Listeners, you go hang out. Matt's going to give me a quick magic lesson after <laughs> we hit non-record. So you guys go to talk to your, go talk to your family doctor, get vaccinated, get boosted, and let's try to be kind to each other because that's how we're going to get through this. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. These are the wonderful patrons of this podcast. Their financial support helps the podcast to keep going. I want to send a major shout out and thank you to Steve Rogers, Chris Bloom, Randy Brown, Betsy Hodges, Anna Lynn, Stephen Malio, Andrew Goddard, Crystal Carroll, Dale Hosek, Bella Pori, Terry Smith, John Munson, Mary Thomas, and Rob Barnett. Thank you, team. You guys are the best. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at SetLustingBruce, and my personal Twitter is at DFW. You can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.